welcome to this special podcast series on creating healthy workplaces, brought to you by Wellcosa, the Wellness Council of South Africa. My name is Dr. Martin Combring, founder and director of Wellcosa and a wellness strategist. This series of podcasts features international renowned experts in the field of health and wellness in the workplace, and these speakers will impart their knowledge, insight and wisdom in the field of workplace wellness to listeners around the world. I'm very glad and very happy to have Dr. Stephen Aldana from the CEO of WellSteps. Dr. Aldana is one of America's foremost experts on healthy living and works out wellness. And during the more than 20 years in academia, Dr. Aldana authored over 75 scientific papers and seven books on health risk management, healthy living, and health promotion programs. He has given over 350 keynote speeches across the U.S., on the ability of good nutrition and regular exercise to prevent, arrest, and reverse many chronic diseases. His books have sold over 1 million copies and are used by 4,500 companies and corporations. Currently, Dr. Aldana is the CEO of WellSteps, a worksite wellness solution that leads the nation in wellness program develop, deployment and engagement. WellSteps also provides consulting services and health promotion guidance to many of the nation's larger corporations, including NASA, Bridges Petroleum, Nationwide Insurance, Athenium Blue Shield and Blue Cross, Johnson & Johnson, Damien Chrysler, and many other corporations across the U.S. And Dr. Steve will talk to us today on making the case for workplace wellness. So first of all, thank you very much for joining us, Dr. Stephen. Thank you, Martin. The pleasure is all mine. Great. First of all, I must congratulate um, WellSteps have been selected as the best wellness program in America, and your client, the, the Boys School District, um, has won the Coop National Health Award. So just briefly talk to us a little bit about this wonderful achievement. You know, for a long time, I'd known about the Coop Award. In fact, up until last year, I was on the Coop Board of Directors. I resigned uh, in advance of my working with Boise to submit an application, so there was no conflict. But in essence, the board is a group of national experts and scientists that look for evidence that these wellness programs are really having an effect. So um, because of my academic background and the research that we write on a lot of these programs, it was a natural for us to submit Boise School District as a possible um, candidate for the award because we've published over eight scientific papers on the results of their program. So what the Boise School District program says is if you put together a comprehensive, well-designed wellness program, that we have clinical and significant improvements in health behaviors, health risks, absenteeism, presenteeism, and uh, their healthcare costs are actually affected by that. So the reason we applied is because we really wanted to tell their story, but more importantly, we have the science to back up what they have done and to demonstrate effectiveness. That sounds fantastic. Um, I read up about the, um, you know, the whole study that's been done and um, it's just groundbreaking. And I think it's an example for, for, for everybody to follow. But um, why would you say at the moment, in this point in time, is there a need for worksite wellness? 
You know, um, I would say 30, 40 years ago, maybe 50 years ago, the need wasn't as great as it is today. As most cultures around the world are becoming rapidly uh, westernized and, and, and there's goods and bad to becoming westernized, mm-hmm. our diets and our activity patterns have changed so that the diseases that once were very rare and unusual are now more common, such as type two diabetes, obesity, uh, many cardiovascular diseases. In fact, we can look at even most cancers. We know today that they are almost exclusively lifestyle related. So between 70 and 90% of the disease that working adults, unworking adults, non-employed adults, most of the disease and morbidities that they have are caused by making poor lifestyle choices. So as an employer with employees who have chronic disease, that makes it for a new challenge. This is this is this is a change. This wasn't this way 30, 40, 50 years ago. Today, it is a big concern for a lot of employers who want a healthy, productive workforce. Right. Now I know that um, one one of the things that WellSteps is um, is, is known for is the evidence-based wellness solutions that you talk about measuring that the programs really produces results so tell us a little bit why this is important for well steps well um I, I'm, I'm a scientist and so right. the science guides what we do the, the scientific method gives us the tools to answer the questions is this working if we're providing this intervention for these employees or we're engaging in this kind of a challenge or a campaign Is it having an effect on employee health or behavior or health risks? And if so, for how long? If not, then we need to rethink what we're doing. So the science guides this. We like to say that our programs are both evidence-based and evidence-producing because we submit scientific evidence for peer review, but we use the science to develop the different campaigns and challenges and activities and reward systems because we know they work. there's a higher model that really describes everything that we do. I mentioned that 70 to 90% of chronic disease, again, that's cancers, heart disease, stroke, type two diabetes, are due to poor lifestyle choices. Whether or not I eat a healthy diet, whether or not I use tobacco, whether or not I have a healthy body weight, those behaviors ultimately lead to elevated health risks, such as high blood glucose and high blood cholesterol and high blood pressure on abdominal obesity. And if we follow the, the train of thought, unhealthy behaviors ultimately lead to elevated health risks. And those elevated health risks ultimately lead to chronic disease. That's the disease state, such as cardiovascular disease or certain cancers, or in many cases, Alzheimer's disease now is on that list. These lifestyle-related diseases are caused by our unhealthy behaviors. So it's a lifestyle disease pattern that we now have. Well, when we use the science, the question that we originally approached for WellSteps was, how do we help the largest number of people possible have really good health and wellness? And the only sustainable model that we come up with is work sites, because work sites have a financial invested interest to see that their employees their most valuable asset is their employees are not only healthy and happy, but productive. So now we have this science that connects behavior with risk and disease. 
And we have a group, employers, who have a financial invested interest to keep their assets, their employees, as healthy and fine-tuned and productive as possible. So now we have the science that describes those connections. We can develop programs that help employers improve employee behaviors and health risks and prevent chronic disease. And then we use the science on the back end to show what's really working, what's not, to really evaluate it. So the science drives this entire model on behavior to risk to disease and how it plays out in work sites. It's not that other groups, communities and schools and churches, they can do this as well, but they don't typically have the financial means to really invest in and promote a wellness program. Mm. Uh, it's just not part of their budgets. They don't have a financial investment in that, not like employers do. So with employers, it's a sustainable long-term model to really improve the health of a whole bunch of people. They just happen to be working. Yeah, fantastic. And then um, uh, we, we on the summit, we're going to have somebody specifically talking on um, um, incentives and the role of that in a, in a workplace wellness program. But I would love to ask your opinion on that. Um, some people are saying the pros and cons of, of bringing in incentives. Uh, but at the end of the day, employer is unhealthy. How do we move them from the unhealthy state to a healthy state? Yes, and, and that is the hardest thing to do in my academic career and my professional career, getting people to adopt and maintain healthy behaviors is extremely hard to do. But we can back off and I can ask a question first. Now, forbid me for here, Martin, but I'm gonna ask you a personal question. I'm assuming that you exercise on a regular basis. Right. Since you're a wellness guy. Well, let right. me ask you a question. Why do you exercise on a regular basis? What's in it I for you? How do you do it? Yeah, sure. Um, I exercise because, uh, first of all, it releases stress and tension, and I feel so much great afterwards. My form of exercise is yoga, so it helps me to feel balanced and centered. And if I don't do it, I, um, I, I can feel myself almost losing it. So nobody gave you a T-shirt or a water bottle or an exercise ball. Nobody gave you a, uh, a, a, a bonus on your salary. You, you do all this exercise without all those external things. I'm am I correct? Uh, that's correct, yeah. So you have reached a point where the benefits of being physically active have true in, in meaning in your life. They reduce your stress. I would dare say that you do it because you like the way it makes you feel. Yeah. It makes your body feel good. You probably sleep well and maintain your, your weight and a lot of reasons. Well, the trick to getting people to adopt and maintain healthy behaviors is to give them the incentives. In your case, they're internal or intrinsic incentives. They come from within you versus an external one. Sometimes it requires both to get people started. So if you'll exercise regularly, we're gonna give you a little bit of money or a paid day off, or we're gonna throw some, some gift card at you, do something to incentivize you. Mm -hmm. But along the way, we're going to be very, very careful about pointing out how your life is better when you do this. Do you sleep better? Is your, is your weight under control? Do you reduce your stress? Do you like the way it makes you feel? And when we point this out to people, they go, you know, I do feel better. 
I do like the way I feel when I do this. In fact, the key is to get you to change behaviors. And once we pull the incentive away, if you keep doing it, we know you've internalized it and you're on your way. You're, you're gonna maintain those for the rest of, probably for the rest of your life. So the balance is to maybe use incentives and rewards as a, a particular motivation in the beginning to get them started down this path. But then we rely very, very heavily on Here's how your life is going to be different when you eat a healthy diet, when you stop smoking, when you drink less, when you exercise regularly. And we go through those with them very, very carefully so they can see it and experience it for themselves so they will maintain those behaviors for the rest of your life. Dr. Albana, how long do I have to do this? And the correct answer is forever. Or another way to put it is, well, how long do you want the benefits? Because as soon as you stop, the benefits will stop. So right. that's how we look at incentives and rewards in this big mix. So uh, in other words, in the beginning, it might be external, but it eventually it moves into an internal um, incentive um, that's, that's driven the way that I feel at the moment. In the beginning, it's both. It's here's uh -huh. the internal intrinsic reasons. Oh, and by the way, here's some external extrinsic rewards to make it fun and get you going. And, and to, you know, because some people will respond to that. But along the way, we continually enforce the intrinsic motivators along the way. Now, we can try to keep up with the rewards, but if the rewards go away, we want them to be able to still, still keep at it. And, that, and, that's a, and that's a tough call to make because not everybody, not everybody acknowledges the benefits or does the behavior enough to start to get the benefits. You know, I'm not losing any weight. I don't want to do this anymore. You know, it, and that's a tough call. But we do know that they, the, the combination right now is the best model that we have. Fantastic. It just makes so much sense to me. Now, just just maybe just um, share with the listeners um, um, specific legislation, for instance, in America in terms of um, using financial rewards. Are there strict guidelines in, for companies? There are, but they're kind of in a state of flux. There are several federal organizations kind of fighting over verbiage and wording and those kinds of things we don't we don't particularly worry about any of it and it comes down right. to this why are you doing a wellness program in the first place if it is to force your employees to do something that that you really really want them to do and you're going to require them to do it and if it's almost malicious in nature then that should tell you that you probably shouldn't do this this is nothing good is going to come from that. A lot of the regulation is in place because there have been some employers who have said, if you are obese or you're type two diabetic and you're not willing to do anything about it, then we're going to punish you or we're going right. to fine you or we're going to double your insurance premium or we're going to reduce your pay. There are these threats that go out to force people to comply to what some CEO thinks is the best way to live their lives. And I agree that has no place in the world of wellness. And yet there are occasionally some, some, some really weird work sites where they are oppressive in how they treat their employees. Should never happen, should never be part of wellness. Some of those groups need to be reined in with some regulation. But for the other 99% of employers, they do it because they care. They do it because they want you to be here for a long time. And we're not going to force you to do any of these wellness activities. It's 100% voluntary. And if you do want to participate, 
there are some great benefits that will come your way and we're even going to throw in some incentives some monetary incentives to encourage you to do that done properly there is no need for regulation done improperly yeah i think the federal government should step in and hurt some people for doing this in a very unhelpful unfriendly way mm. and um if we look at a, a worksite wellness program um am i right to say that wellsteps believe in the whole concept of um, not only invo involving the employees but it needs to be rolled out to the family as well and include so the family members to be part of the program well we go one step further there's usually an on-site individual who's kind of in given the the purview of being over the wellness program we call them an, an on-site coordinator or at least an on-site program director we want the employer to put together a committee it could be five ten people from across the organization who will sit on a committee to help make some decisions about what kind of program we want what kind of incentives so that when we talk about rewards what rewards would this company like well we've got the employees here let's ask them that makes them have some ownership in this program it's not the well steps program it's the company's wellness program designed and developed and directed by their own people for their own people so that makes a different sense from the very beginning. Then we do extend it out. In our case, spouses are always invited for free mm. to participate with employees on this journey. And the reason is, is when we have social support, behavior change is much more likely to happen successfully long-term with support of others. And it doesn't have to be a spouse. It can be anybody that is gonna be supportive of them on their journey towards wellness. It could be a friend, a neighbor, a grandmother, a spouse, a daughter, whoever. Somebody will join you on this journey and you can pick anybody you want. And that's how we approach it because behavior change requires strong social support. Thank you for listening to this insightful speaker on the Creating Healthy Workplaces podcast series. Please share this podcast with your friends and family and colleagues and be sure to join us for the next episode.